Homily 20, Part 3 of Homilies on Ephesians by St. John Chrysostom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Homily 20, Part 3, Moral. Let us then be very thoughtful both for our wives and children and servants, knowing that we shall thus be establishing for ourselves an easy government, and shall have our accounts with them gentle and lenient, and say, behold i and the children which god hath given me if the husband command respect and the head be honourable then will the rest of the body sustain no violence now what is the wife's fitting behaviour and what the husband's he states accurately charging her to reverence him as the head and him to love her as a wife but how it may be said can these things be what they ought indeed so to be he has proved but how they can be so i will tell you they will be so if we will despise money if we will look but to one thing only excellence of soul if we will keep the fear of god before our eyes for what he says in his discourse to servants whatsoever any man doeth whether it be good or evil the same shall he receive of the lord this is the case here love her therefore not for her sake so much as for christ's sake this at least he as much as intimates in saying as unto the lord so then do everything as in obedience to the lord and as doing everything for his sake this were enough to induce and to persuade us and not to suffer that there should be any teasing and dissension let none be believed when slandering the husband to his wife no nor let the husband believe anything at random against the wife nor let the wife be without reason inquisitive about his goings out and his comings in no nor on any account let the husband ever render himself worthy of any suspicion whatever for what tell me what if thou shalt devote thyself all the day to thy friends and give the evening to thy wife and not even thus be able to content her and place her out of reach of suspicion though thy wife complain yet be not annoyed it is her love not her folly they are the complaints of fervent attachment and burning affection and fear yes she is afraid lest any one have stolen her marriage bed lest any one have injured her in that which is the summit of her blessings lest any one have taken away from her him who is her head lest any one have broken through her marriage chamber there is also another ground of petty jealousy let neither claim too much service of the servants neither the husband from the maid-servant nor the wife from the man-servant for these things also are enough to beget suspicion for consider i say that righteous household i spoke of sarah herself bade the patriarch take hagar she herself directed it no one compelled her nor did the husband attempt it no although he had dragged on so long a period childless yet he chose never to become a father rather than to grieve his wife and yet even after all this what said sarah the lord judge between me and thee 
now i say had he been any one else would he not have been moved to anger would he not also have stretched forth his hand saying as it were what meanest thou i had no desire to have anything to do with the woman it was all thine own doing and dost thou turn again and accuse me but no he says nothing of the sort but what behold thy maid is in thy hand do to her that which is good in thine eyes he delivered up the partner of his bed that he might not grieve sarah and yet surely is there nothing greater than this for producing affection for if partaking of the same table produces unanimity even in robbers towards their foes and the psalmist saith who didst eat sweet food at the same table with me much more will the becoming one flesh for such is the being the partner of the bed be effectual to draw us together yet did none of these things avail to overcome him but he delivered hagar up to his wife to show that nothing had been done by his own fault nay and what is more he sent her forth when with child who would not have pitied one that had conceived a child by himself yet was the just man unmoved for he set before everything else the love he owed his wife let us then imitate him ourselves let no one reproach his neighbour with his poverty let no one be in love with money and then all difficulties will be at an end neither let a wife say to her husband unmanly coward that thou art full of sluggishness and dullness and fast asleep here is such a one a low man and of low parentage who runs his risks and makes his voyages and has made a good fortune and his wife wears her jewels and goes out with her pair of milk-white mules she rides about everywhere she has troops of slaves and a swarm of eunuchs but thou hast cowered down and livest to no purpose let not a wife say these things nor anything like them for she is the body not to dictate to the head but to submit herself and obey but how some one will say is she to endure poverty where is she to look for consolation let her select and put beside her those who are poorer still let her again consider how many noble and high-born maidens have not only received nothing of their husbands but have even given dowries to them and have spent their all upon them let her reflect on the perils which arise from such riches and she will cling to this quiet life in short if she is affectionately disposed towards her husband she will utter nothing of the sort no she will rather choose to have him near her though gaining nothing than gaining ten thousand talents of gold accompanied with that care and anxiety which always arise to wives from those distant voyages neither however let the husband when he hears these things on the score of his having the supreme authority betake himself to revilings and to blows but let him exhort let him admonish her as being less perfect let him persuade her with arguments let him never once lift his hand far be this from a noble spirit 
no nor give expression to insults or taunts or revilings but let him regulate and direct her as being wanting in wisdom yet how shall this be done if she be instructed in the true riches in the heavenly philosophy she will make no complaints like these let him teach her then that poverty is no evil let him teach her not by what he says only but also by what he does let him teach her to despise glory and then his wife will speak of nothing and will desire nothing of the kind let him as if he had an image given into his hands to mould let him from that very evening on which he first receives her into the bridal chamber teach her temperance gentleness and how to live casting down the love of money at once from the outset and from the very threshold let him discipline her in wisdom and advise her never to have bits of gold hanging at her ears and down her cheeks and laid round about her neck nor laid up about the chamber nor golden and costly garments stored up but let her chamber be handsome still let not what is handsome degenerate into finery no leave these things to the people of the stage adorn thine house thyself with all possible neatness so as rather to breathe an air of soberness than much perfume for hence will arise two or three good results first then the bride will not be grieved when the apartments are opened and the tissues and the golden ornaments and silver vessels are sent back to their several owners next the bridegroom will have no anxiety about the loss nor for the security of the accumulated treasures thirdly again in addition to this which is the crown of all these benefits by these very points he will be showing his own judgment that indeed he has no pleasure in any of these things and that he will moreover put an end to everything else in keeping with them and will never so much as allow the existence either of dances or of immodest songs i am aware that i shall appear perhaps ridiculous to many persons in giving such admonitions still nevertheless if you will but listen to me as time goes on and the benefit of the practice accrues to you then ye will understand the advantage of it and the laughter will pass off and ye will laugh at the present fashion and will see that the present practice is really that of silly children and of drunken men whereas what i recommend is the part of soberness and wisdom and of the sublimest way of life what then do i say is our duty take away from marriage all those shameful those satanic those immodest songs those companies of profligate young people and this will avail to chasten the spirit of thy bride for she will at once thus reason with herself wonderful what a philosopher this man is he regards the present life as nothing he has brought me here into his house to be a mother to bring up his children to manage his household affairs yes but these things are distasteful to a bride just for the first or second day but not afterwards nay she will even reap from them the greatest delight and relieve herself of all suspicion for a man who can endure neither flute-players nor dancers 
nor broken songs and that too at the very time of his wedding that man will scarcely endure ever to do or say anything shameful and then after this when thou hast stripped the marriage of all these things then take her and form and mould her carefully encouraging her bashfulness to a considerable length of time and not destroying it suddenly for even if the damsel be very bold yet for a time she will keep silence out of reverence for her husband and feeling herself a novice in the circumstances thou then break not off this reserve too hastily as unchaste husbands do but encourage it for a long time for this will be a great advantage to thee meanwhile she will not complain she will not find fault with any laws thou mayest frame for her during that time therefore during which shame like a sort of bridle laid upon the soul suffers her not to make any murmur nor to complain of what is done lay down all thy laws for as soon as ever she acquires boldness she will overturn and confound everything without any sense of fear when is there then another time so advantageous for moulding a wife is that during which she reverences her husband and is still timid and still shy then lay down all thy laws for her and willing or unwilling she will certainly obey them but how shalt thou help spoiling her modesty by showing her that thou thyself art no less modest than she is addressing to her but few words and those too with great gravity and collectedness then entrust her with the discourses of wisdom for her soul will receive them and establish her in that loveliest habit i mean modesty if you wish me i will also tell you by way of specimen what sort of language should be addressed to her for if paul shrank not from saying defraud ye not one the other and spoke the language of a bridesmaid or rather not of a bridesmaid but of a spiritual soul much more will not we shrink from speaking what then is the language we ought to address to her with great delicacy that we may say to her i have taken thee my child to be partner of my life and have brought thee in to share with me in the closest and most honourable ties in my children and in the superintendence of my house and what advice then shall i now recommend thee but rather first talk with her of your love for her for there is nothing that so contributes to persuade a hearer to admit sincerely the things that are said as to be assured that they are said with hearty affection how then art thou to show that affection by saying when it was in my power to take many to wife both with better fortunes and of noble family i did not so choose but i was enamoured of thee and thy beautiful life thy modesty thy gentleness and soberness of mind then immediately from these beginnings open the way to your discourse on true wisdom and with some circumlocution make a protest against riches for if you direct your argument at once against riches you will bear too heavily upon her but if you do it by taking an occasion you will succeed entirely for you will appear to be doing it in the way of an apology 
not as a morose sort of person and ungracious and over-nice about trifles but when you take occasion from what relates to herself she will be even pleased you will say then for i must now take up the discourse again that whereas i might have married a rich woman and with good fortune i could not endure it and why so not capriciously and without reason but i was taught well and truly that money is no real possession but a most despicable thing a thing which moreover belongs as well to thieves and to harlots and to grave robbers so i gave up these things and went on till i fell in with the excellence of thy soul which i value above all gold for a young damsel who is discreet and ingenuous and whose heart is set on piety is worth the whole world for these reasons then i courted thee and i loved thee and prefer thee to my own soul for the present life is nothing and i pray and beseech and do all i can that we may be counted worthy so to live this present life as that we may be able also there in the world to come to be united to one another in perfect security for our time here is brief and fleeting but if we shall be counted worthy by having pleased god to so exchange this life for that one then shall we ever be both with christ and with each other with more abundant pleasure i value thy affection above all things and nothing is so bitter or so painful to me as ever to be at variance with thee yes though it should be my lot to lose my all and to become poorer than iris and undergo the extremest hazards and suffer any pain whatsoever all will be tolerable and endurable so long as thy feelings are true towards me and then will my children be most dear to me whilst thou art affectionately disposed towards me but thou must do these duties too then mingle also with your discourse the apostle's words that thus god would have our affections blended together for listen to the scripture which saith for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife let us have no pretext for narrow-minded jealousy perish riches and retinue of slaves and all your outward pomps to me this is more valuable than all what weight of gold what amount of treasures are so dear to a wife as these words never fear that because she is beloved she will ever rave against thee but confess that thou lovest her for courtesans indeed who now attach themselves to one and now to another would naturally enough feel contempt towards their lovers should they hear such expressions as these but a free-born wife or a noble damsel would never be so affected with such words no she will be so much the more subdued show her too that you set a high value on her company and that you are more desirous to be at home for her sake than in the market-place and esteem her before all your friends and above the children that are born of her and let these very children be beloved by thee for her sake if she does any good act praise and admire it if any foolish one and such as girls may chance to do 
advise her and remind her condemn out and out all riches and extravagance and gently point out the ornament that there is in neatness and in modesty and be continually teaching her the things that are profitable let your prayers be common let each go to church and let the husband ask his wife at home and she again ask her husband the account of the things which are said and read there if any poverty should overtake you cite the case of those holy men paul and peter who were more honoured than any kings or rich men and yet how they spent their lives in hunger and in thirst teach her that there is nothing in life that is to be feared save only offending god if any marry thus with these views he will be but little inferior to monks the married but little below the unmarried if thou hast a mind to give dinners and to make entertainments let there be nothing immodest nothing disorderly if thou shouldst find any poor saint able to bless your house able only just by setting his foot in it to bring in the whole blessing of god invite him and shall i say moreover another thing let no one of you make it his endeavour to marry a rich woman but much rather a poor one when she comes in she will not bring so great a source of pleasure from her riches as she will annoyance from her taunts from her demanding more than she brought from her insolence her extravagance her vexatious language for she will say perhaps i have not yet spent anything of thine i am still wearing my own apparel bought with what my parents settled upon me what sayest thou a woman still wearing thine own and what can be more miserable than this language why thou hast no longer a body of thine own and hast thou money of thine own after marriage ye are no longer twain but are become one flesh and are then your possessions twain and not one oh this love of money ye both are become one man one living creature and dost thou still say mine own cursed and abominable word that it is it was brought in by the devil things far nearer and dearer to us than these hath god made all common to us and are these then not common we could not say my own light my own sun my own water all our greater blessings are common and are riches not common perish the riches ten thousand times over or rather not the riches but those tempers of mind which know not how to make use of riches but esteem them above all things teach her these lessons also with the rest but with much graciousness for since the recommendation of virtue has in itself much that is stern and especially to a young and tender damsel whenever discourses on true wisdom are to be made contrive that your manner be full of grace and kindness and above all banish this notion from her soul of mine and thine if she say the word mine say unto her what things dost thou call thine for in truth i know not i for my part have nothing of mine own how then speakest thou of mine when all things are thine freely grant her the word 
dost thou not perceive that such as are practised with children when whilst we are holding anything a child snatches it and wishes again to get hold of some other thing we allow it and say yes and this is thine and that is thine the same also let us do with a wife for her temper is more or less like a child's and if she say mine say why everything is thine and i am thine nor is the expression one of flattery but of exceeding wisdom thus wilt thou be able to abate her wrath and put an end to her disappointment for it is flattery when a man does an unworthy act with an evil object whereas this is the highest philosophy say then even i am thine my child this advice paul gives me where he says the husband hath not power over his own body but the wife if i have no power over my body but thou hast much more hast thou over my possessions by saying these things thou wilt have quieted her thou wilt have quenched the fire thou wilt have shamed the devil thou wilt have made her more thy slave than one bought with money with this language thou wilt have bound her fast thus then by thine own language teach her never to speak of mine and thine and again never call her simply by her name but with terms of endearment with honour with much love honour her and she will not need honour from others she will not want the glory that comes from others if she enjoys that which comes from thee prefer her before all on every account both for her beauty and her discernment and praise her thou wilt thus persuade her to give heed to none that are without but to scorn all the world except thyself teach her the fear of god and all good things will flow from this as from a fountain and the house will be full of ten thousand blessings if we seek the things that are incorruptible these corruptible things will follow for saith he seek first his kingdom and all these things shall be added unto you what sort of persons think you must the children of such parents be what the servants of such masters what all others who come near them will not they too eventually be loaded with blessings out of number for generally the servants also have their characters formed after their masters and are fashioned after their humours love the same objects which they have been taught to love speak the same language and engage with them in the same pursuits if thus we regulate ourselves and attentively study the scriptures in most things we shall derive instruction from them and thus shall be able to please god and to pass through the whole of the present life virtuously and to attain those blessings which are promised to those that love him of which god grant that we may all be counted worthy through the grace and loving-kindness of our lord jesus christ with whom together with the holy ghost be unto the father glory power and honour now and ever through all ages amen end of homily twenty